0: All right, ladies. This is part of the show that I get to give you a big old virtual hug and thank you for reviewing this podcast, My Labor of Love. These ratings and reviews, seriously, mean the world to me. This review actually came in a little bit differently, it came in via Messenger on Facebook. And here's what Carla writes. Up in downtown Vancouver, while hubby is working at the satellite office, enjoying my day to myself, coffee, shopping, and listening to your podcast on being present, while strolling the rainy streets. Thank you, girl. I can just picture it now, Carla, you taking the time away, making the time for yourself and your self-care, which is so beautiful, and being super present all the while, Thank you so much for bringing me along your little stroll. And I would love to hear what you think of the show. Please leave a review wherever you are listening and tuning into this episode, and I will make sure to give you some love on a future podcast. Well, hello there, and welcome back to the Living on Purpose podcast. I am so happy you are here. Uh, I wasn't sure what I was going to talk about this week until just this morning, when I was reading one of my new favorite books. That I'm going to tell you all about called Burnout uh, by two sisters, and I'm going to butcher their last name. It's Emily and Amelia Nagoski. Nagoski. <laughs> Check it out; it's amazing. But I was reading this book, and I had this aha moment. I had this crazy insight. I had this revelation that I wanted to share with you, especially with the climate that we're all living in right now. And the theme of this podcast is using our past struggles to level up our present, leaning into the past to help us get through rough, tough challenges that are arising right now, Or may arise in the future. Um, So here's what happened to me. I'm going to explain my aha moment. I'm going to tell you my story. I'm going to get pretty vulnerable with you in hopes that as we're all going through so much shit right now with COVID, with schools, who knows what the hell is happening with schools, who knows what's happening day to day with the election, with all the things... I hope it helps you and maybe gives you some insight to your resiliency and maybe gives you some insight to to your past struggles and how they can help move you forward today. All right, so let's dive in. So, you know, we've been in quarantine now for I don't know, six months. I have no idea. I'm not even going to keep track anymore. We started in March, but I have to admit, uh, quarantine's been easy for me and i I say that really loosely and casually and and you know what that's not 100% true. I would say I feel surprised by how easy I have adapted to quarantine. And I wasn't sure why. I wasn't sure why I was able to quickly adjust to mo- you know working from home, working remotely. How I was really quickly easy to adjust to just being around my family and physically distancing from everybody else in my entire life besides my core five individuals it was kind of confusing to me i i even started you know i'm a extrovert if you if you know everybody knows extrovert introvert and you know what what you are and what gives you energy and what refuels you i've always thought of myself as an extrovert always always and with this quarantine it has me almost second guessing my personality type, like, Monty, are you really an extrovert? Because you seem like super cool not being around people right now. And I don't think that that is in line with an extrovert tendency. So really questioning that, I've even reached out to my coach about it. Like, could I'd be turning into an introvert? Could things change? And I don't know all the answers to that. I think I've heard the belief that really you're locked into what you're locked in. I don't know. And I don't have a belief on it, but I've been confused with myself. I've really been like surprised, it, just really surprised. And while I was reading my book this morning, it dawned on me why. It dawned on me how I've been able to be so cool with all of this isolation. And um, it all goes back to a past, one of my biggest, hardest, most challenging times that I've ever had in my entire life. And that was when I was 20 years old. And I was living in Italy. I was on a study abroad program through Gonzaga, Go Zags. And it was a year-long program back then. So I was there for the long haul. And being in college and being a party girl and whatever, I got pregnant over there. I don't really talk about this very often, and I don't know why, because I'm not I'm not embarrassed about it. I'm actually super proud. Um, of how I have handled everything and the mom that I've learned to become and who I am today and the lessons and all of the things that it has given me, that 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 experience has given me. So I don't know why I don't talk about it. Maybe it's because it was so hard. Maybe it was because it was so isolating. 20 years old, living in a foreign country, um, surrounded by other 19, 20, 21-year-olds who were there to learn and to experience and to travel and to have a good time. We were in college. You know, our our priorities were 100% ourself. And as soon as I became pregnant, obviously, I ousted myself. I was not ousted from the party scene. I ousted myself. I Obviously I had massive, massive morning sickness. I, I lost so much weight. It's not even funny. And I really I really self-isolated. I, I self-isolated to insulate myself and to protect myself because it was because it was so alone. And the other thing, the other crazy thing about this experience is I was embarrassed back then, you know, going to a Jesuit, you know, Catholic college, uh, knocked up single, wasn't even In a relationship with baby daddy. And I was embarrassed. So, guess who I told? Nobody. I told, you know, two friends, I think. And the friends that I told were like myself, right? They were young and we were immature and we didn't know how to handle this news, this crazy blow to all of us because all of a sudden, Madi Fun Party Girl wasn't going to be able to be that person anymore. And the friends that I told weren't able to support me in the way that I needed the support at the time because you know what? I didn't even know what I needed at the time. I had two Jesuit priests who knew and as awkward as our conversations were, they really kept me afloat during that time. The other thing that kept me afloat during that time was conversations with my dad. Um, he had bought me a cell phone. This is pre everybody having cell phones. He had bought me a cell phone, uh, before I went. And this was like, you know, emergency only. I probably had only used it once, twice, maybe before I got pregnant. It probably cost some Boku bucks. Um, but thank God for that cell phone. I remember calling him every single day. Didn't matter what time of day or night I called, but he answered and, um, we would talk and we would talk about my isolation and we would talk about being lonely and we talk about what the fuck I was going to do. <laughs> and everybody had an opinion, um, on my predicament and what I should do and everybody, meaning my family, And my dad was like, you do you, whatever you decide, I'm, I'm here for you. And I remember most specifically, I, I I don't know the name of the the church, but sitting in front of the facade, the beautiful, beautiful cathedral. And that was like my go-to place. And I would, I would go there and sit there and talk to my dad on the phone and cry. And the crazy thing about this time is it was so depressed. I was so depressed. I was so alone, so depressed. All I wanted to do was come home, and my parents wouldn't let me. They said, no, sis, we paid for a year, and we paid a lot of money for you to be there. So you're going to be over there for the year. You're going to ride it out, and we don't care if you hate it. And so my first half of pregnancy was living in Italy, trying to go to school, um, trying to travel a little bit, navigating all of the foods that made me so sick, um, just biding my time, just knowing that the season of my life was going to end, and really leaning on those few people in my community that I could trust and talk to. The other thing that I I want to share is really interesting, and I didn't even crack it open for this podcast. I kept a journal. As you know, I'm an avid, avid, avid journaler. I journal every single morning. And I think this is probably the time when I started journaling. And I journaled out my horrors, you know, my life, my my tragedy. And I have yet to reread um, those journal entries because I'm – I'm so nervous to realize and to relive that amazingly difficult chapter of my life. Amazingly difficult. When I got home, things picked up. I felt I felt surrounded by my family. I felt like I was outed. I mean, at six, seven months, you could tell what was happening on that little baby bump. So there's no more secrets to hide. And the shame kind of started to fade away. And I found a community and I got through and I had not realized that that experience in Italy, that that experience of isolation and loneliness and, and real, really quarantine, really being that alone, even though I was around people, I felt so alone, had prepared me for today had prepared me for COVID-19 and prepared me for what this pandemic was going to look like for me and my family. So when the school shut down and when we all went into lockdown, without realizing what I was doing, I started putting a plan right into place. I started to insulate myself. I started to protect myself. I started to get ready for what I knew what was coming because my maybe my subconscious, maybe I don't even know my heart, maybe God knew that I knew what to do because I had been there before. I instantly created an extra book club. I already had a book club going and I thought these book clubs literally give me life. They literally give me joy I love reading, number one, and I love talking to real, open, honest, authentic women about shit that matters. And so <laughs> I was like, what better way to do that is to, to create a second book club and, be- and, and uh, my, my first book club was already virtual. So I already knew how to do that. The second thing I do was I started a few Marco Polo groups. If you don't have Marco Polo, what are you waiting for? Get on the app. It is the best thing. I started a Marco Polo group uh, with my best friend who, you know, we are we, – she was my college roommate. She was my roommate in Italy, and she's one of those people who I pre-COVID talked to once every six months. And, and then it was one of those like, yeah, we, we kind of picked up where we, we left off, but not really, you know, because so much happens. And so we started a Marco Polo, and we started talking every single day. I started another Marco Polo group with my Gonzaga, my Gonzaga girls, and this was a really intimidating thing for me to do. Intimidating because I stopped being their friend in my mind, not in their minds. Um, this is a uh, self-belief, self-limiting beliefs here. Um, I stopped being their friend the middle of junior year when I got pregnant. I took myself out of the equation. And then not returning to Gonzaga my senior year, I really felt like I had lost those friends. And this is, like I said, self-inflicted. But I knew these women. I knew these women to the, to the core. I knew these women were the kind of people who would do anything for me. I know these, these women are the kind of people who would have my back. I know these women are the kind of people who wouldn't judge me for anything because they hadn't in the past. And so I said, hey, guys, like long time, no talk. I know this thing called Marco Polo and some of them had already been using it. Can we get a group going? Can we also start having weekly Zoom calls where we get together and have a glass of wine and start talking? I haven't felt this close with these women since my junior year of college, and I did these things, I started these groups, I planned these phone calls intentionally, but without realizing that it was like I was reliving my trauma and using the skills and the tools that I had learned at 20 and 21, and I brought them forward to today. Being alone and scared and uncertain in Italy has given me this slight advantage into this current situation. And this aha moment that I had today was really profound. Like it was like that light bulb. I don't know if you've had these aha moments where you're like, oh my gosh, it just, it just clicks. And it was so amazing to realize, oh my God, that is why it's been easier for me. No, I am totally still an extrovert. That's why I get my joy and get my energy from the phone calls and the Marco Polos and the Zoom. I'm I'm not an introvert. Being alone doesn't make me an introvert, but this trauma that I had had got me ready for what happened today. So, how can how can you use this story in your life? How can we really start to use our past situations you know situations that had been super stressful situations that have been very uncertain or disappointing even devastating situations that we may consider to be trauma how can we use those circumstances to work for us in the present and I'm going to reference the burnout book with the, th- the three tips that she lines out because I think it's so brilliant. And so here's what you do. Choose one of the uncertain times that you have overcome in your past. When When have you really, really felt super down in desperation, in despair, and bounced back? Think of that time. Use that time. And step number one is to write that story, rewrite the entire narrative in detail. Now, we want to make sure that before we do this, we're in a good and healthy brain space. I wouldn't recommend doing this if you are in that stressful, uncertain, disappointing, devastating time. That's not the time to do it. This is meant for, in my opinion, um, reflection. Reflection of something that you've already overcome. Okay? So number one is to write your story. What happened? Write down, journal out the play-by-play. It does not mean you have to keep this. You can burn this when when you're done. I actually had a really good idea. Um, as you may or may not have known, um, I was going to host a living on purpose retreat this year and, uh, everything's changing. And one of the practices we were going to do is, um, I'm, I'm actually looking at my vision board right now at the cabin. We were all going to be cozied up in on a, on a raging river and this exercise that we were going to do was get some biodegradable paper and write out things that we needed to let go. So maybe this is an, an opportunity for you to also write out something that has that had been devastating that it's time to let go. But really, write it down in detail. You know, how did it make you speci- feel? And be super specific with yourself. Be super raw and open and vulnerable and honest. You might even cry as you're writing this story. So step one is to write the story and maybe that does it for you for the day and you put it down and you walk away. But if you're ready to continue, here are some of the questions that she, these authors, they suggest we look at is what parts of the adversity were controllable or uncontrollable by you. So like other people's choices, cultural norms, your life circumstances. So for me, the parts that were completely out of my control was living in a foreign country, who I was surrounded with, the food that I was Uh, not able to digest and then what parts were controllable and what did I start to control things like going on long walks along the river and the Ponte Vecchio and really spending some time by myself and going to Venice alone and having those experiences what parts were uncontrollable and what parts were controllable question number two how did you survive in the moment? What did you do to survive? So for me, like I mentioned, I survived by calling my dad. I survived by talking to the priests. I survived by going and sitting in beautiful churches and crying my eyes out. Literally, that is how I survived. She um, goes on to uh, suggest asking yourself, what resources did you leverage to continue surviving? So, be specific. for me, my my resources was my cell phone. This was the first time I had electronics at my fingertips at that dawn that I actually went to um, started going to internet cafes and being more um, in communication with people back home via email. And the resources that I used were my community. So, What resources in your trauma, what resources in your past devastating, uncertain times have you leveraged to help you get past it? And then I would even go on to challenge you to ask yourself what personal strengths and attributes both attributed to your recovery and were gained because of your recovery. So for me, I feel very resilient. I feel I learned resiliency through that experience in Italy. And I think that that resiliency is giving me the one up, the little bit of a little leg up here with the COVID situation. So what strengths do you have that you took with you that you can continue to leverage again and again? Because one thing that we know for certain is nothing is certain. And so these sort of things are going to come up again. We're going to get past COVID. This isn't going to last forever. I promise you that. Uh, And when we get through COVID, it's going to be something else. So how can we leverage all of our resources, all of our strengths, our past stories to help us be better in the present? I hope my story helped you today. I hope my vulnerability will inspire you to get vulnerable with yourself as well. I do just want to let you know that I have a couple more spaces available in the True to You course. And if this podcast resonated with you, these are some of the exercises that we do dive into in the True to You course where really we really define what kind of life you want to live design that, and then demand it. If you're curious, please don't hesitate to schedule a call. I will link both the book that I referenced in the show notes as well as my uh, link to uh, book a call with me, 15 minutes to just chat to see if coaching or the True To You course is right for you. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in and always keep living on purpose. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Living on Purpose podcast. It has been a blast hanging out with you. If you love this week's episode, please hit that subscribe button. That way, you won't miss any future goodness we throw your way. Craving community and connection with like-minded badass women? Feel free to join us in the Living on Purpose Facebook group. And of course, the best gift that you could possibly give is an honest review on iTunes. Alright, that's it. Until next time always keep living on purpose.